Do you have any mantras? Do you have any way no, of working, think, any no. sort of internal monologue? No. Do you I go, don't. I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm nothing but the best, I'm Pete Smith the best? No, I don't. But No, you should. You should. I just made that up, but you should try that. I, I should. mean, that's what I say in you the morning. You think it'll improve my performance, do you? <laughs> You're subtly trying to tell me that I'm a bit boring. Are you saying? <laughs> no, no, no. People sometimes have these sort of, you know, routines in the morning. They get up and they do something. That sounds like a, like a rap, something <laughs> Kanye would say. Say if he was Pete Sorry, Smith. Who's, who, is it Kanye or is it Kanye? I don't know. No. It sounds like you described a dish just then. <laughs> Has he changed his name already since this episode Kanye was recorded? And chicken. It's the nineteenth of <laughs> January, two thousand and twenty-four. It is, and we're recording hmm. for a podcast. Hmm. You'll hear the voices of myself, Pete Smith, yeah, the boy comedian, Chauvin <laughs> Caro, comedy yeah. boy. And then the uh, New Zealand-born humorist, Tony Martin. <laughs> That'll do. Now, you've just been in New Zealand, Pete. I have. I, don't I know. went over there trying to find your roots. Oh, well, you were in the wrong part of the country for starters. Well, I, yes. Well, we were confined to uh, Queenstown, which right. is a wonderful resort, not just for the snow country, right. because at this time of the year, it's a summer resort with the most superb lake that goes on forever. Has its own tidal system. Really? Waves. Gee, oh, yes. Times have changed since I was there. It's wonderful. And, Joven, have you ever been to... Uh, New Zealand? New Zealand at all. I have. Right. Years ago, the only memory I have of it was being pushed down a hill in a Zorb. Right. Do you know what a Zorb is? <laughs> no. A big plastic ball thing. Right, it's sort see. of inflatable, and that's something you do in New Zealand. They're always trying to top the bungee jumping. That's we the problem. We that, yes. We went for the bungee jumping. I also scared. remember the <laughs> sort be? of JB Hi-Fi-esque big record shop. Oh, yeah. CDs and vinyls. I forget what it's oh, called. Oh, is that Real Groovy Records in That's, Auckland? It might be. Yeah. Is it a massive factory? That was, yeah. Oh, it's probably fished out waters now, mm. but you could get a lot of, you know, Collector's items there, Pete. You'd love it. You won't find that in Queenstown, nor will you find a op shop. Oh, right. No, there were two op shops. So they were a little out of town. You'd have to take the shot over experience to actually see the op shop. Were they full of swan dries, Pete? I never went inside. Do you know what that is, a swan dry? No. That's like a checked long shirt that a farmer might wear. <laughs> Okay. It's called a swan. Look at Pete's disgusted <laughs> expression. Not, not anything no. Pete would ever wear. It can't be teamed with a bow tie. That's the problem. You know what? Well, I'm just trying to get a mental picture of that long shirt almost down over the knees. Yes, right. And uh, all much like uh, Jovan is wearing here in the studio. My boots. Uh, they're clodhoppers, aren't they, really? <laughs> I Do don't know, know what, what you just called are? me, but yeah. <laughs> He's already trying to start a fight. Pete, give me a phrase or a word that someone said to you while you were in New Zealand that you were perhaps baffled by. Was Kanye West. <laughs> I don't believe it. I, everybody was talking. There was no fish and chips or anything like uh, did that. Did anyone refer to the dairy? I'm popping down to the dairy. No, I didn't hear that. That would be the milk bar. 
Oh, right. It's called that the what dairy. It's called? Right. No, fr- really, so you were never at any point confused. No, I wasn't right. confused. What I was impressed by was the fact that, well, as one lady exhausted in the lift of the hotel said, I've just come in from New York because mm. that's where they're coming from right. all over the world. Every second person is not just from Australia. They're mm. from all over the place. It's so it's because, a venue, it's a yeah, destination it is. that is obviously very, very popular. A lot of uh, very wealthy people like your Elon Musk's uh, are buying up large parts of New Zealand, uh, right. intending to move there after the zombie apocalypse. Oh, <laughs> so right. once the zombies, you know, get on the march... You've got James yeah. Cameron. I think he owns part of the North Island. There's that bloke, Kim.com. Wow. I'm not never sure who Kim.com <laughs> is. No, is that no his idea. real name, do you suppose? No. His, I think his real name is .org. I just left a gap for the drum. <laughs> so There won't be one. It'll just be crickets. We haven't had crickets yet. So they're selling off the farm like they are here. Yeah, well, I guess. I don't know. People Gee. are moving underground in New Zealand. There's a lot of that going on. Joven, were you confused by anything you saw or heard when you were uh, I heard land? people say jandals. I had no idea jandals. what they were talking about. That's your thong, your flip-flop. Did you wear flip-flops or thongs no, while no, on holiday? No. I had sturdy boots on. I never wear a jandal Pete or a thong. Pete does not strike me as someone who wears flip-flops. No. Have you ever worn flip-flops, Never. Pete? Tony, no. how about you? I would have as a child, but <laughs> not as a grown-up. Okay, and no. how about shorts? Do you guys wear shorts? Because I've been with you on warm days. I no. haven't seen you in shorts. I find uh, shorts an, a no-no for me Yeah, because I find that men stare at me. <laughs> Because you have irresistible legs? Is that what's going on? But at golf, you get these guys, and I admire them. They're there in the middle of winter in shorts. Oh, really? And when you play golf, no shorts. No No, shorts. No, no, no. no. It's surely uh, plaid pants. Is that something just from Caddyshack? I've I've not been on a golf course in in many years. If that's what you're inferring. (laughs) Right, no, I will only wear shorts, never in public. Yeah, I've never seen you in shorts. What's going on? I will occasionally wear shorts in a comedy sketch because my <laughs> legs are hilarious. <laughs> the people who made uh, Santo Sam and Ed's um, football fever or whatever it was called, mm. they once got me into football shorts and there was some kind of something happened in a football match where a goalkeeper missed what was like the easiest goal of all time. Mm. And Ed Cavalier on the show said, that goal was so easy, Tony Martin could have stopped it. <laughs> and then Sam Pang said, let's see if that's true. So they recreated that match. They mm. got two teams. They choreographed the whole lead up to that moment. And then I was in goal looking absurd in shorts and I think it took 17 takes for me to actually stop it. Yeah, right. Even though it was moving <laughs> slower than a bird and walking And you knew where the... it was going as well, the I direction. Knew, yeah, yeah, and it was still classic, uh, we've used this word before, unco behaviour. Gets down well behind the ball. Comes up, and look at this, on the side, the nothing. Side. <laughs> they call him the praying mantis. <laughs> but nobody noticed the goal. All the comments are like, Look at those knees. They're ridiculous. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a shame. So I'm quite happy to bust out the gams for a laugh. I, for a long time, would not wear shorts right. because I was very self-conscious of But this is when I was a kid, so I was yes. very self-conscious of wearing shorts and exposing my legs. There was one day where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to break this curse. I'm going to wear shorts. And I went to school and my crush 
said, oh, look at your chicken legs. And then I was back to pants and shorts were a no-no for me. And did the crush continue? No, I didn't. I refused to get married. So you burst the bubble with the shorts. Yeah. 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 I cannot. Like you said, Pete, shorts are a no-no. Yeah. It's very hard to picture Pete Smith in anything short of a tuxedo in any situation. (laughs) Yeah. And bow tie. (laughs) You had me in bow ties all the way through that Martin Malloy era. We did. The old-fashioned radio announcer with the bow tie. And a lot of that was because of... Were you Mr. When you <laughs> I'm were... sorry, Tony. I'm distracted. There's a spider just descending oh. over your jacket. Maybe remove your jacket now, yes. right now. Oh, there we that, go. Let is me that get a it. deadly Australian spider? <laughs> no, it's just... Because we have uh, very few spiders that can <laughs> kill you. like a reject from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> I saw an old commercial that a very well-known actor of his day in Australia, Frank Thring, oh, yes. you would have heard of the name. He was a character and a half. Now let's just see if Joven knows who that is, Frank Thring. I can hear the crickets again. Okay. Have you seen Mad Max 3? I've only seen Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, you haven't seen Beyond Thunderdome. I should, but, but you would I have know not. who Tina Turner is. Yes. Okay. You, have you ever seen a picture of her in Mad Max Three: Beyond Thunderdome? No. A large, bald gentleman standing right next to a. Right or wrong, we had a deal, and the law says, bust a deal, face the wheel. Bust a deal and face the wheel. That's Frank Thring. That's how I'm orienting the young people who are listening yeah, to well, this. That's speak. a good way of doing it. Also, he, during the 50s, which I know sounds ancient, during the 50s, hmm. uh, he was a, a big star at Metro at MGM in Hollywood. He played in a lot of biblical. He was in epics. like Quo Vardis and things like I that. I think so, or Ben Hur. One of them, yeah. Love Ben, hated her, all that <laughs> stuff. But yes, he did make it big there, but he turned his back on that and came back to Australia. And when I was a kid in New Zealand, he was, correct me if I'm wrong, the face of Little Lucifer's Firestarters. He was yes. like dressed as the devil. So he was. And I the reason I him. brought this up is because I saw this old commercial he did for, have you got a TV license? <laughs> and, I mean, that's not a good imitation. That but is he quite did a have good this voice. string, I will and say. And it's a wonderful commercial because back in those days, and people will find this hard to believe today, we had to pay to watch television. Yeah, right. It was a television licence. Oh, and I can't yeah. remember how much it was. Back in the day, it might have been, I don't know, $24 or something like that. It wasn't a lot of money, but you still had to pay to watch television, you know, legally. Yes. And a lot of people were so frightened about you know, not wanting to pay and being exposed, that they'd put their TV aerials in the roof. Oh, right. So they weren't right. on the roof. They were inside the roof. So they were not and, detectable. And the Postmaster General's Department, now Australia Post, PMG, they would go round in vans. The detector vans. Detector vans. So Frank Thring does this wonderful commercial. Hello. I wonder if you'd mind having a look right now to see if you have a current radio and TV license. Hmm? There could be a knock at your door at any time. And if you didn't happen to have a current radio and TV license, you could be up for a very heavy fine. So embarrassing. Anyway, now you can get back to your televiewing with a clear conscience. 
Or can you? Hmm? So most of us did the right thing and paid for the $24 or whatever it was. It wasn't a lot of money to get our TV licence at the post office. In England today, right now, at this very minute, you have to have a television and radio licence. Yeah, that's right. And do you know how much that licence is? No. It's in the vicinity, and don't hold me to the exact dollar, but putting it into, oh, no, I'll put it in pounds. Do it in pounds. £159 per year. Is that right? And that's why people get so angry about it, don't they? Because you'll often see, it's not worth the licence fee, this (laughs) programme. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's completely foreign to us here in Australia because things are genuinely free to air. But they have things like partridge over there. Yeah, exactly. you know they have um, budgets to make incredible comedies and content. Oh, yeah. you know, sure. It's a little different to here, where it's a bit of a a fight to get a few. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we've all been in that fight. <laughs> and we're all fighting each other. It's ridiculous. Politics came into the game at some stage during mm. the sixties, and they dropped it. Now, Pete, you've brought up the name Frank Thring, and obviously this section can be cut out. <laughs> If if I go a bit too far. I think we have a sting for that as well. <laughs> Do we? A no-no for me. But Frank Thring was also known for having a somewhat flamboyant personal life. And there are a lot of notorious stories. And my favourite one, it's been told many times, is that Frank Thring's neighbours became worried they hadn't seen him for three or four days. They worried that he might have fallen over, knocked himself out. So the police were called. They smashed down Frank Thring's front door. They burst in to discover Frank in some sort of leather outfit, tied to a chair with a ball gag in his mouth. And they go, oh my God, what's happened? And someone's untied him and pulled the gag out of his mouth. And his first words were, fabulous weekend. <laughs> I thought he didn't pay his license well, fee. Is that what happens? That's the story the gets a little twisted, but somewhere along the line, yeah. the truth of the whole matter is in that little tale you told. But we had a wonderful experience one night. <laughs> Did after, you, Pete? Hang on. We had a wonderful experience with Frank one night. Yes. I'm saying wonderful. Yes. A very interesting a experience. Fabulous and this experience. can be cut out too if you, you don't think it's <laughs> worthwhile to our contemporary audience. There's that sting again. A no-no for me. Once a year, he'd appear as a guest on the Don Lane show. There oh, we go again. yes, yes. It's me bringing up Don Lane now, yep. not you, Tony. Oh, no. <laughs> so Frank would come in in his black skivvy, the flask of whiskey oh, in no. the back pocket and uh, reeking a bit of it. One particular time he came in, he went round for a drink to the boardroom after the show. Now, I always went home. But on this occasion, I went round there, and he was there with uh, one of Graham's gag writers, uh, who was kept on during the Don Lane era, and that was Mike McCall Jones. You've heard of his yes, name. Yes. And anyway, we're around there having a drink with Colin Stevenson, who was an audio operator there, no longer with us, dear Colin. So we had our drink. Frank suggested at one stage, "Why don't you come over home for a little pokey?" 
Oh. And I thought, oh, God, this is intriguing, yeah. a little what's, pokey. What's this going to be? And so I rang my wife and said, look, I won't be home for a while. This was very unusual. I won't I'm be home for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's half past 11 already and, I, you know, the show's long over. And yeah. uh, But I was intrigued because I wanted to have a look at Rylands, not the retirement home that's uh, <laughs> quite popular in the Melbourne suburbs, but that was the name of a family thring home I thought, this is an opportunity. We've been asked to go over and have a bit of pokey. Yeah. So we went over. <laughs> Pete, what is pokey? He went ahead in a cab. We drove over and I said to the boys, to Colin and to Mike, I said, now, look, I don't want to stay too long. I want to have a look at the place. This is an opportunity. But when I stand up to go, whenever that is, support me. Stand up too. Yeah, right. That's it. Please. Yeah, no, of course we will. Oh, yeah, sure. So we get over there to Rylands, and it was wonderful. It was like a ranch-style home in Turak Road, set back from the street, uh -huh. and the wonderful big lounge room had mirrors down one end, which made it look twice as big. Oh, that old trick. There was a fireplace <laughs> yep. down one end, and we sat down. He had an open fire going. We sat down on the floor in front of the fire, he absented himself after greeting us. He absented himself. He was gone for about 15 minutes. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on, you know? So he finally arrives with this huge saucepan with scrambled eggs in it oh. and four forks. Oh. And we're sitting down there in front of this open fire, and the, it was delicious, the scrambled <laughs> eggs. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Eggies. And we're putting our fork in and... <laughs> eating scrambled eggs with Frank Thring. So when this was finished, it's getting on for, well, it was getting on for one o'clock. Oh, really? way past my bedtime. Oh, and remembering outrageous. what I said to the boys, hmm. once the scrambled eggs had been cleared away, he said, well, now, let's, let's have some pokey. And I then thought, no, this is it. It's Time 10 to, to 1. Up. I stood up. The boys didn't stand up and support me at all. And I said, oh, Frank, mm, we've got an early start tomorrow where maybe, and they're still sitting there, I'm standing up looking down at him at the fireplace. Meanwhile, <laughs> steel doors are coming down, <laughs> preventing your exit. Mentally James. they might have been. I said, oh, Frank, maybe another time. And he stood up and he said, there won't be another time. And that's the last thing he said to me. And we were ushered out. We got out, but there won't be another time. But what was the pokey? We didn't get to do the pokey. You don't know what it was. No, but I mean, it was a game of cards. But I wanted Are to you get sure. I wanted to get home, but I did see Rylands, and I peeked into the <laughs> dining room. Yeah. I saw a table set for about twelve people in this gloom. Yes, yeah. I don't know who we ever, you know, fated there, but I got to see the inside or portion of Rylands, and that is a first-hand account of being with Frank Thring. On the table, what were the ball gags for everybody <laughs> arranged? <laughs> Sorry, Pete's walked out. <laughs> I wonder what pokey was. The one there are all these the ball gags. You need ball gags. <laughs> You're not getting a ball gag, Pete. <laughs> this will be the last opportunity. <laughs> Here's something I want to bring up, Pete. We've both known Joven for over a decade now. Wow, and I have can, you? Yeah, 12 that's years I worked out. We've that's been, incredible. been working together. And I have never in all that time, Pete, seen Joven angry. 
<laughs> one of the calmest people. I've seen him on a film set. I've seen him in the most high tension, you know, pressure situations. He never cracks it until about two months ago. Finally saw him angry. You know what it was that set him off? No. A $9 coffee. <laughs> Do you remember that? That's very frustrating. <laughs> We're at this <laughs> coffee joint in inner city Melbourne. Where yeah. else? What was the gold dust sprinkled on it? What? Why, why was it $9? They had charged me double the amount for two shots of coffee. Right. So I ordered a double espresso and they charged me per espresso shot. Wow. Which is not a usual thing no. for cafes to do. You you pay for a double espresso, you pay for a single espresso, it's the same cost. But they charged me nine dollars. Oh, I've never seen for him. two shots of this awful coffee. <laughs> and <laughs> so did, the, did you say anything? I did, yeah. I was very upset. Tony saw that happen and it was oh. shocking. It was like he was turning into the Hulk before <laughs> me. I'd never seen that before. And the result? Well, he didn't uh, throw it in their face. He didn't do that. No. Did you get a refund? No. I asked for a refund. Oh, they they couldn't issue it either. Oh, so I, I think a few things were happening. The person making it was also lying to me and I was calling her bluff a little bit and it was just like, we're not stupid. We know what's going on here, but, you know, it just. Is that the angriest you've been, do you reckon, in the last? <laughs> like, if we go back just over the last 12 months, do you reckon that's the angriest you've been? No, no, no. I think I've been angrier for other reasons. Really? But, when, you know, when we see each other, it's yeah. it's comedy. Comedy doesn't make me angry. No. No, it's joyful getting together, I think. It's really nice. And that's something I've been meaning to say to you is yes. that I really really enjoy and value this time that we have together. Yeah, sure. Without getting too uh, mushy or, yeah. or whatever. I think sometimes you just need to say it because no. uh, joy is fleeting. Well, I always learn something yeah. you know, from I think we all do. Get-togethers. I've learned how to pronounce Kanye West. Yeah, yeah I've so learned I've... about pokey and how to avoid it. <laughs> and I've learned about that Matrix film you made me watch. <laughs> there are plenty more films we want to make oh, you watch, yeah. Pete. so many films we're going to yeah. get to. Send in your suggestions, listeners. Yeah. Uh, here's one that Jovan was trying to get us to go to just before this recording. He wanted us to go and see The Beekeeper, which is a new... Jo <laughs> Look at oh, Pete's expression. And I just want a camera on Pete the whole time. Everyone, need your attention, please. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Can I just say straight away, I'm not being rude. You know, my if I don't come, I don't like documentaries for a start. Well, is it a documentary about the day-to-day -day life of Jason Statham, who just always seems to be punching someone in the face whenever he appears on screen? But uh, I'm in the situation where I started talking about the beekeeper on uh, my other podcast, Sizzletown, about three years ago, and people assumed I'd made it up, that it was a fake movie, and they're starting to realise, no, it is real. But I'm not sure whether that is quite the right film because obviously Joven wants to get an expedition to a cinema, all three of us to go to a film and then review it on this show afterwards. I'm just not sure the beekeeper's the right one. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be very violent. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait for the next Barbenheimer. I think it needs to be an event, oh, you know. Right. Did you go to Barbenheimer, Pete? This is where people were going to both Barbie <laughs> and Oppenheimer. Look at his face. <laughs> I only went to half of it. I what, went which to one did you see? I went and oh, saw right. the Oppenheimer. Did you go in IMAX? No, I didn't see it in IMAX. Did you? No, I still haven't seen Oppenheimer. Pete, your biggest problem with The Matrix was that it upset you. It had dark themes, as it you said. It really upset me. What about yeah, Oppenheimer? It... That's dark all the way through. Yeah, I didn't That's not Well, hopeful. I must say that was a disquieting film too because it was the beginning of, uh, you know, the possibility of 
annihilating mankind. It's a really. living nightmare, that film. And now I am become death. Destroyer of worlds. Yeah, okay. I know it won all the awards, <laughs> but I wish I'd been in the Barbie section. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Oh, hi, Alan. Yeah. Oh, Barbie was fantastic. I think I've, I've seen it twice. Really? Yeah. Twice? It's so funny. Yeah. Wow. I saw it with different people, obviously. Did but when you, you watch uh, comedy with different people, it's like you experience it again. Absolutely. Did people get up and do the dance? When we saw it, I think people were dancing at one point during. Really? I love an audience participation moment in a film. Do you ever get involved in that, Pete? Uh, I, I'm not up late enough to watch the Rocky Horror Show, if that's what you mean. At the the Rocky Horror Show. I remember for years when you would see uh, Lord of the Rings at the Rivoli, like when there was a new one that came out on Boxing Day, there'd be people dressed as orcs and elves. And Did I, you dress up? I never dressed up, but I thought it would be fun to go along just in a totally inappropriate costume, just as C-3PO <laughs> or something as if just I wearing come... shorts. <laughs> oh, no, don't subject them to that. <laughs> no, I'd rather show up as C-3PO. <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely wrong film, <laughs> but the Blues Brothers. That was one where you would go along oh, and yes, be a well, bit that's night. a great film for audience participation. Really, you can I, do it on your own, even absolutely. So you talk about big films and franchises and people dressing up. Uh, yes, I dressed up for The Matrix Reloaded. Oh, really? Who were you? I, I mean, it was Neo. Neo, of course. I got, and this course is really embarrassing. So it, it's going to pain me to. Explain this story. I watched The Matrix Reloaded, mm. dressed as Neo. Right. My, I got my auntie to make me a jacket based on the poster, wow. and I wore it. But I didn't wear it to any premiere or anything. I just wore it to the 9 o'clock Thursday night session. Yeah, right. So by that point, a few people had seen it, and it, it, was, it wasn't an event. But right. I went with my family, and I remember dressed... <laughs> So going, you're the only person. I remember going dressed as Neo, wearing sunglasses <laughs> indoors, and realizing nobody else is dressed oh, up. What's no. going on? Oh wow! And you know, about ten minutes you? in, I just took my jacket off and folded it and put it oh, on my lap as sad. I watched Reloaded. What age were you at that stage? Oh, I would have been 2003, and I'm not going to do the math because then it'll just get more embarrassing. All uh, right. I, I can't do that math, but it's 13 or 14, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, Well, blame it on your youth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but it was heartbreaking. It was nobody loves this as much as me right now. But see, And I'm the odd one out here. But you've asked who? Your grandmother? No, my auntie. Your auntie to make the costume. Yes, Because, yeah. see, when I was a kid, that's what you didn't want. You didn't want one of your relatives <laughs> to make you something. Because I think my, it was my grandmother or on one side who went, oh, I'll knit him a Batman costume. Don't go and buy one. <laughs> and I remember wearing a like a sort of um, you know, a knitted Batman. I think it might have even have had a pom-pom, which is not a good look for the Cape Crusader, the Dark Knight. So, yeah, you never wanted I to would hear, hear those that now, words. I think. Don't buy him any of those jeans, those <laughs> Wrangler jeans. I can make some. <laughs> then the sewing machine comes out. You'd always get that. Pete, were you uh, someone who dressed up as characters from films in your youth? Uh, not entirely, although I did have a uh, Superman T-shirt. A T-shirt? Not the full costume? Well, no. It was an exacto top or whatever. It is more than a T-shirt, a yeah. jumper, if you like, a sweater. The, but it yes. had, uh, you know... George Reeves on the front, not Steve. I think it was George. Yes, George Reeves was Superman George, in the yeah. TV version in the... In the 50s, I think. Yes. And, of course, uh, the further you go back into film history, 
the worse looking the superhero costumes get. Yeah, I think the tighter they get tighter. They get tighter, and but also, you know, bunched up around the back. You know, often with a wedgie. Yeah, spandex hadn't been invented. The the Batman's ears back in the forties were sort of wonky on different angles. Although we were sucked in by it, we loved all the old Batman serials. You know, we'd go to the movies every Saturday afternoon. Yeah. As I think I've explained to you about that in a darkened theatre sure. in the back row. And there was a Batman serial because <laughs> yes. people people think you would have seen the Batman uh, TV series from the 60s or you would have seen photographs Do you mean watch it. the show? Or, or you, would, you know what it is, Documentation though. of these relics. Yeah, this sort of colourful Batman <laughs> yes, from yeah, the yeah, 60s. Yeah. But way before that in the 40s, there was a black and white Batman and his Batmobile was just a normal car. <laughs> it was as though the Dark Knight was just jumping into a Prius. <laughs> to a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, a but we loved it. Oh, no, it was great. So you're a Batman fan. When I was a kid, it was the Batman and someone called the Green Lantern, who's never quite been adequately portrayed no. on film. There was a quite disastrous... Why the Green Lantern? I can't remember. Someone would have just bought me a Green Lantern comic and then you have to choose. All right, that's my one. And, Pete, how about you, your superhero of choice? The Green Lantern, I guess, even though it was in black and white. Yeah. didn't come across very <laughs> impressively. How did they do that? Was it just a caption at the bottom? This is green? <laughs> no, just imagination had to play in the <laughs> yeah. Could have been red. That's right. A lot of the comics when I was a kid, yeah, you're going, why are they in black and white? Like we're getting the cheap version in New Zealand. <laughs> Although, you know, back in those days, green at Universal Pictures with those wonderful Boris Karloff fright features yeah. we've spoken about in Don't the Don't you past. mean Bob Karloff? <laughs> but uh, no, back in those days, they actually released one of the movies, whether it was Frankenstein, they re-released it in green, completely in green, oh. and called it The Colour of Fright. They didn't have Technicolor, they didn't have run to all that, they just had a green wash across the original print, and it was re-released with great success in The Colour of Fright. Okay, here's something I have talked about before. This is something from the 1970s, and no one believes me that this is a real thing. So we had black and white TV when I was a kid. Like, colour came in, I think I always say, it came in halfway through an episode of HR Pub and stuff. (laughs) It was quite startling. But before there was proper colour TV, there was this screen you could buy that you could erect in front of your TV that would sort of make it look like it was colour. Do you remember that, Pete? Yes, I do. It was sort of like a plasticised thing yeah. that, uh, I don't know, it sort of, uh, yes, it, it was just a hybrid thing. But it was like it was the screen was uh, split into three bands. So the top third was blue, the bottom third was green, the idea being that if there was a shot where there was sky at the top and grass at the bottom. But that's a very specific shot. Oh, so it was cut off. It yeah. Wasn't, mm, so right. you'd be watching TV going, please can they cut to something yeah. that's got sky and grass into it so that we can have a semblance of colour. That was ridiculous. Yeah, but they sold a lot. They, they sold. sold a lot of them. Really? Yeah. Couldn't you just add cellophane and then choose <laughs> so the appropriate colour? You could have made colour? your own one. Yeah, exactly. Just blue yeah, for could. underwater. You could. Pete? Tony, let's head over to the Hideout Society for a moment. But of course. Oh, I love this place. There's a cocktail bar, hot tub, and our favourite... The 
royal blue appreciation wall. Without the support of our Patreon, there would be no From the Hideout podcast. And this Hideout Society member deserves a special plaque on this shining wall. Spectacular. Thank you, Stephen Plunkett. Cheers, SJP. Forever etched in our hearts and appreciation wall. Let's get back to the show. This has been our second show for the year, our second podcast, and, you know, it's distinguished by the fact I've just realised that my father, now no longer with us... Les Smith. ...died at 105. Got his own plaque in Doncaster. ...has not been mentioned. Oh, we better not mention him. And I was just thinking... Yeah. ...he used to tell a good golf gag. Oh, are we going to have a golf gag? We've already mentioned golf pants. one of my favourite gags that he used to tell... No, hang on. Why should I tell the gag? Let the old man tell it himself. What? Finally, on the golf scene, two members playing away out in the back of the course and one of them drops dead. He calls some mates from another green and they carry him into the clubhouse. And it was some time before they arrived there. And the manager said, what a wonderful fellow you are to carry that man back right from out the back of a course. Oh, they said... It was nothing at all, but he said it was a damn nuisance putting him down and picking him up in between shots. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's the first guest we've had on this show, technically. Well, no, you've had Mervyn. Yeah, and Santa. He's our third guest. What am I saying? It's non-stop guests. Well, there you are, my dad making an appearance. Beautiful work, Les. Thank you, Les. You've been listening to or have just missed From the Hideout with me, Pete Smith. The boy comedian, Jovan Caro, and the humorist from New Zealand, Tony Martin from Tikawiti. Pete Smith, podcasting. Sorry, Tony, I interrupted with the spider. I can't remember what I was talking about. Uh, (laughs) Should some music come in at this point? Enjoy the show. Thanks. Ooh, an exclusive area. Hold on a second, buddy. Have you got access? Oh, uh... Are you a member of the Hideout Society? Sorry, what? It's a Patreon page designed to help the making of the show and give you access to exclusive content. The show? What do you mean, the show? From the Hideout, the monthly podcast you're enjoying right now. Behind you. Okay. Thanks, pal. Good to see you. How come you let him in? Members only. He's a member. Ah. Royal Blue. (laughs) What? There's different subscription tiers. There's beige. Beaujolais and Royal Blue. Each grants you different levels of access to all kinds of extra goodies. Gotcha. Look, I'll have to have a think. You've got it. Golly, it's so fun and exclusive in here. Uh, so how do I sign up? Just visit patreon.com forward slash from the hideout. Okay. Done. Welcome to the Hideout Society. Why, thank you. Beaujolais. Royal Blue. Royal Blue. 
though Beaujolais is still fun to say. Now let me teach you the secret handshake. Oh wait, I'll show you the horse first. <laughs>